You're listening to episode 71 of the Comics Pals. We're a group of comic book journalists and friends who record a podcast together because we don't talk enough about comics in our daily lives. What's up, Internet? You're tuned into the Comics Pals. Oh, uh, I'm actually not here today. <laughs> okay. Actually, a pretty solid beat impression, actually. Yeah, it was good. I, I was thinking there was going to be more to that, um, but uh, that's <laughs> Phil's way of saying that Pete is not here today. <laughs> Pete is uh, traveling the open road. Uh, where he's going, no man knows. He's a man on a mission. Uh, does he? Does he even know? Because uh, from what I understand, it's like white outside for you guys, it's like <laughs> completely and totally. All right, I Kiwi. haven't seen an ounce of snow. Or really? Anything. Yeah. What, dude? Come by my neighborhood. There's just. Yeah, there's a pile on my front lawn. It's crazy. A pile of white. A pile of white. <laughs> <laughs> Are you enjoying that, Marco? I am, a lot. I did have more there, but it was good to be kind of mean-spirited. I didn't want to dunk on Pete too much. so <laughs> That's what we do when people miss the show. Get with the program. You just dunk on them. <laughs> yeah, that's the gimmick, man. Uh, so Pete is missing the show, but if you're listening to this... You're obviously not. And we appreciate you for tuning in. Um, if you want to connect with us, there are many, many ways for you to do that. You can reach out to us on iTunes, or excuse me, Apple Podcasts, Get us straight. where we are a five-star rated podcast. You can contribute to that by hitting us with a rating. They help us out a lot. And uh, we're also on SoundCloud and all other podcast hosting platforms. You can hit us up at the Comics Pals, wherever your social media is sold. We'll talk to you maybe um you write to us at the comics pals at gmail.com you can hit us up with a buy or sell a random question of the week or your feelings on any topic we talk about on this or any other episode of the show and last but certainly not least you can hit us up on youtube where if you're watching this on youtube you can like the video share it with your friends and subscribe to our channel helps us out a lot um we've got some exclusive content up on there including our video that dropped like two weeks ago, our top five couples in comics. It's a lot of fun to put together. Hopefully, you'll have fun watching it. If you haven't had the chance to check that out, go do so. Big, big week this week in comics, uh, and there's a lot to talk about. But before we get to what's happening this week, we're going to dive into the mailbag, and we're going to talk about what was happening last week because we got some comments on the stuff that we talked about. All right, so this week... We have a couple of letters from Harris. Um, let's do the first one first. Good call, man. <laughs> huh, no, let's do the second one first. Second verse, right. same as Mar- the first. Marco called it. <laughs> uh, so here's Harris on episode 70. So dual numbering. Wow. Just wow. Makes me glad that I stick to mostly trades. I hear that, Harris. I feel you. So readers go from event fatigue to relaunch Rethcon reboot mulligan fatigue? Wouldn't it be better to just make a limited series marketed as such to establish a new status quo for certain characters, then pick up with legacy numbers afterwards? Treating these new number one slash limited series as what happened between two legacy numbers, which caused them to change without sacrificing moving forward with the legacy? I I know it is a lot of questions, but this is just me trying to work 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 (laughs) i know this is a lot of questions but this is me this is just me trying to work thing out out loud 
What? Why are we pointing out our readers' typos every week? Because this <laughs> because is hell. Because I messed it up. All right. <laughs> the other, the other idea is just to visit the whole multiverse thing, like the DC. He didn't In, say the uh, DC. No, that was my bad. Oh the other, my god, <laughs> this is rough. The the other idea is just to visit the whole multiverse thing, like DC. In this sense, to continue forth saying that Marvel Now Legacy and all the previous relaunches are essentially different universes running concurrently or group legacy. Marvel Now and Fresh Start as one book like DC did with the Earth 2 book. That's a lot, Harris. Thank you for the comment. Yes, that is a lot. Um, So there are several points in there. There's a lot to break down. First of all, uh, Marvel Legacy and all the other relaunch slash reboots or whatever you feel like calling them uh, are not separate realities in the same way that DCs are. So pre-New 52 and post-New 52 are not the same like reality of DC. Whereas there's nothing really different about Marvel now and Marvel Legacy it's the same characters doing the same things. Nothing's really changed for them. It's more of an initiative in real life to sell comics rather than anything that is reflected in within the books themselves. Superficial. So, right. It's, it's, yeah. Exa- exactly right. Uh, and as far as limited series, um, that's, you know, fine, I guess. Um, but it's hard to get everything into a limited series that they want when you're you know when you're a writer or creator and you come up with an idea for a run it doesn't necessarily make sense for a limited run and the dual numbering thing is just what marvel wants you know and i would hate to see a creator have to come in on a book and come up be forced to come up with a limited series idea just because that's what editorial wants for across their entire line of books. That's a little weird. Yeah, I think the the limited series thing really works best sort of as we've talked about with stuff like Iceman or uh, America, you know, as sort of a testing ground for ongoings. Sure. All right, uh, jump into the next one. Can I read oh. Boomer McGee? Uh, no, hang on. Harris has a, a – the, we have to get the, the first Harris one. Uh, here is a question. With Time Warner considering to sell – Warner Brothers and DC Comics, is there a possibility that Disney will go ahead and buy the properties? I'm curious to know how you guys will weigh the pros and cons if such a, a scenario actually happens and how it would affect comic books in general. That's something we were going to be talking about a little later, but we'll talk about it now for you, Harris. We you can guys start. Teaser. Oh, we might as well just do it now. Just jump into it. Um, we kind of touched on this type of subject when the discussion of uh, Disney purchasing 20th Century Fox entertainment branch came up. It's the same kind of problem. It's just, Disney has this massive entertainment monopoly. It's really bad. You can listen to that episode pretty much at length <laughs> where I basically express how terrible it is. Uh, will I? Do I think it will happen? I don't think it will happen. Um, I don't think they have any intention on doing so. This would be like Google buying Apple. Like That would be such a huge move that like, like, there's no way that goes through. Yeah. Just to add just a little bit of context to what Harris is referring to, um, the rap 
reported about how the DC extended universe uh, on on film is focusing more on solo movies for the core Justice League team members and putting all the movies that are not involving those characters on the back burner, like Batgirl, Nightwing, you know, we've seen those movies get um, now put on hold. Uh, Apparently this is something that they really want to do. Um, But something else in the report is that the AT&T and Time Warner Warner, um, merger may not actually happen. And that if that doesn't happen, then the company could be sold off individually. Uh, Time Time Warner. Um, that could leave DC Comics in limbo. And it's unclear who would actually pick them up. Now, I agree with you guys wholeheartedly. I don't think there's any way Marvel does that. I don't think there's any way that Disney does that because... As much as you know, we've talked about and and you know, in some some senses, lambasted Disney for overreaching. I don't think that they even want the kind of problems that would arise in this situation. And I don't know that they can afford it on their plate, especially when they're trying to merge with Fox right now with for their own properties. Like right, exactly. I and how do you guys think that would affect the comics industry though? If it did happen. Uh, I don't think it would be. I don't. I don't think it'd go very well. If I'm being quite mm-hmm. honest, I think it would be a disaster. Yeah, Do you I think. Yeah, I. I agree with Phil. I think it would be, again, the like a, a Marvel machine kind of thing where they'll just it. It'll have if it'll bleed into the comics the way that certain elements uh in business practices from the movie side to the comic side sort of bleed in. Um. I think that it'll, yeah, negatively affect it because again, the focus will be on the properties and on the movies and not on the actual books and where these things are being sourced from and not from the creators. So I think that'll really impact. I, I think it'll really impact the the comics in a very negative way. I don't think that this would work for the simple fact that it's too hard to manage. I, I don't even think it goes – I don't even think it's up – it's it's a question of whether Marvel would handle it properly. I think it's more just like how do you deal with the fact that you're now adopting every single thing that DC has ever done. Yeah. And now you control it. You know, that's that's a lot. That's a lot. Um, and I don't think that the comics industry would adjust well to that. I don't want to see that at all just because, um, you know, removing, a, removing all the – political elements and what would happen to people who work at DC and everything else. I just like the fact that there's separation. Well, think about it. If you are the parent, if you're a parent company that owns two, I don't know, like two thirds of the comic industry, essentially, give or take, um, what do you, it's bigger, bigger than that. Sure. Yeah. Okay. And what do you do if, you have these two publishing companies that basically do the same thing where, you know, maybe like 30% of what they publish would be considered like dead weight to them in a profit margin sense. You would streamline a ton of it because you own so much of it. That's a good point. That's terrible. <laughs> cool. Well, thanks, Harris, for the question. Um, keep writing in, man. We appreciate it, as always. We've got one more. Phil, you wanted this one? I do. This is from Boomer McGee. I have a hard hmm, time. Real handsome name. I know. On I, what episode? Episode 70. 
This is what he sounds like. I have a hard time caring about this relaunch. Like Sean said, this is the third one since their big one. If you want to shovel the chairs, just shovel the chairs. (laughs) (laughs) I get that it's a publicity thing, but that's what's making it so ridiculous. I'm also pumped about Ed McGinnis on the art for Avengers, but correct me if I'm wrong, his runs don't tend to last long, so I kind of feel like that's tempering my excitement. He's been announced on it for the hype! Okay, uh, (laughs) thanks for that beautiful rendition of what uh, Boomer McGee sounds like. Uh, Before we read this, can we expose who this is? Who is it? Well, Kale... Why don't you answer Boomer McGee's email? Listen, he's got some really good points. Um, <laughs> you would say that. <laughs> I Listen, for real, real talk. I don't remember hitting that three instead of the <laughs> E in pumped. <laughs> Boomer McGee spelled the word pumped I, with a three instead of an E. <laughs> I, I, read that, I, as I, I read that as you were reading and I went, I didn't do that. <laughs> You sure did. Um, oh well. But- yeah. So I just wanted I just wanted to put my feelings out there uh, for this week, uh, for last week, I guess since I since I was gone. Um, I uh, was not pumped about the announcement for a fresh start or whatever they're calling it. Um, I, I just I'm uninterested in the the reboot itself. Uh, but I think as we're going to talk about this week, there is some stuff that actually does sound really good. Right. So coming out of it, that's a that's a great way to kind of set the set the table for the conversation that we're going to have a little later on in the show. We're going to talk about the fresh start and a ton of announcement that announcements that Marvel didn't make, um, and whether or not those announcements provide the environment that's going to be conducive to new fans jumping on board and bringing laps fans back. Holy shit, my reading of Boomerang McGee, now that I realize it was Kale, dead on. Okay. You on. knew what you were doing. Yeah, that's awful. Um, do you, <laughs> Sean, do you uh, do you know about my Ed McGinnis point? Oh, I think you're right. Um, Okay. I, I, yeah, because yeah. like I, I thought that, and I went. This feels, it feels right, but it also, I like, I feel like I'll either be right or I'm gonna take a real hit. <laughs> like, I, I, I don't feel like I've seen a lot of Ed McGinnis runs that have lasted super long. Um, yeah. But he is one of those guys who tends to come on, at least from my recollection, at the start of something. And it kind of, you know, it makes it exciting. And that's great. He's a, he has a lot of fans, and that's awesome. And I'll be there for it. Um, yeah, so. he's, a, he's a bombastic artist. Yeah. Like, his stuff is tremendous. It really, really, truly is. Uh, but he just, like, for whatever reason, you know, uh, I, I don't know. But, like, for whatever reason, he just doesn't stick around. It's hard. It's hard. Especially in this era where books are shipping, like, in some instances, 18 issues a year. Uh, yeah, for sure. It's hard for artists to really stick stick that out, um, especially if you have a, a like a very detailed style or a very like big style. It's hard to do that uh, eighteen times in a year when most comic book artists 
you know, they're really cramming it in to get those 12 yeah. in a year. So, yeah. Uh, and, well, and he's about to, he's about to tackle a, a team book too. Yeah. So I, uh, man, hopefully he's, they gave him scripts two years ago because. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, uh, thanks for writing in you guys not boomer you're welcome um <laughs> uh, if you want to write in you can do so in all the aforementioned ways these individuals chose youtube so you can do the same we have our youtube highlights that go up every week uh essentially they're highlights from the episodes that we do um and uh, they're broken up into pieces instead of the whole thing. So if you've only got 20 minutes and you just want to check out the main topic, you can always do that. And if you want to talk about a specific thing that happened in the episode and you want to do it on YouTube, you can always comment on one of the individual videos and we will read it, read your comments on the air. So go ahead and do that if you like. Now, I've got a question for you guys. Huh. I guess that means it's the random question of the week. Okay. <laughs> sounds right. Yeah, sounds yeah, right. That's that's yeah, checks out. Yep. Oh, hang on. Let me uh, let me check. Uh, yeah, that's about. Yeah, it's about time. Yeah. So, um, I've been thinking a lot about the argument that if you want to see representation in comics, you've got to create your own characters. Uh, and this is an argument that's happened a lot. So. My question to you guys is, who is your favorite comic book character that debuted after 2005? Fuck. After 2005. Hmm. Jeez. Mm. I'm inclined to say uh, Miles Morales. Okay. And I'm, I'm looking up my backup answer just in case. But yeah, I, I'm going to say I'm going to say Miles Morales. Uh, specifically because he he seems like sort of the the textbook case for that question, right? Like people people want representation. Well, we gave it to you, and it like in theory it worked. Yeah, I would say in practice it worked. So I'm looking at my bookshelf, and I think I'm gonna say Marco from Saga. Yeah. Why? Because he has the same name. I think that's exactly why. <laughs> uh, no, I uh, I see a lot of similarities in his name. <laughs> well, m- more di- more directly, um, the way the I sort of, on Marco's head. More directly, the way that I perceive my own father, um, like that's the emotional connection for me with that book. Like that's why he resonates with me, and that's why he's one of the stronger characters. In, in all of comics for, for me personally, just because I, I see a lot of like the, the caringness and a lot of the like support and just, just in general, like, like that sort of connection. Um, so that's why, yeah, for, for me, it's, it's probably Marco. So does your father have your same name? Is that what you're saying? No, like he, like, um, personality wise, the way he approaches. I, 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 I was joking. Oh, he's making okay, jokes, sorry. my man. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> No, that's actually really cool. So you identify with Marco uh, because he reminds you of your dad. Yeah, to uh, an extent. Yeah, that's really interesting. Not necessarily identify with, but I, I, I there's an emotional resonance. Right. Cool. Phil. Oh boy, I'm like <laughs> really struggling here. Um, yep. 
Phil only reads 90s comics. Yeah, I like characters that have names pulled out of a thesaurus. <laughs> um, fuck. Uh, I'm looking at a list, and the one that stood out was um, uh, The Winter Soldier. Uh, that was a. Well, that doesn't count because Buffy was made in the fucking yeah. 40s. God yeah, damn! Ah, yeah. oh, fuck. Minus two points. Ah, oh. another one I thought of was Ulysses, who was in the um, second Jeff Johns uh, Superman run as like an antagonist to the character, and that was a like, the best uh, Superman villain I think they've introduced in a while. Um, oh, and then there's a uh, Van Did Van who was a uh, from the Grant Morrison action comics run. Um, who was also from the fifth dimension, like Mr. Mixel Spitlick. Um, oh, that was a really good character too. Um, I don't know. That's tough. Point is, uh, this industry is not the best at, uh, introducing new characters over the last, uh, like 20 years. That's, I would say incorrect. Yeah. I would say, especially in the big two, they're not great at letting them stick around. Yeah. Okay. Uh, sure. But create, they'll create characters out of, fucking nothing Gwenpool yeah uh, so for me the answer is is Kamala Khan nice yeah Phil did you answer <laughs> I, after you gave your answer I was like All right, let's move on excellent I'm off the hook no <laughs> fuck me I don't fucking know um I I would also uh one answer I would also uh put forth is the uh the black wally west it's a it's a it's a weird the way that whole situation ended up is a a really weird uh scenario it's very weird but it's very comic booky at the very comic booky at the same time i like the character not too big of a fan of how that whole thing breaks down yeah, the way the way it plays out, I, I I'm not a fan of. Uh, but I do. Yeah, I agree. I, I I like the character, and I like I like that he exists. You know, you know, it might be it might be Mr. Pig, Mr. Pig. Yeah, or Professor Pig rather. Professor Pig, right? right. Oh, Professor Pig oh, okay. character. Okay. He's cool. Yeah, he's good. Was he? Is he? Was he that new? He was made oh, like yeah. 2007, yeah. Oh, really? probably. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah. Gmo, yeah, that was Gmo came up with it. That was good. I I chose this to highlight the fact that um, while Kale and Marco are right, and that the you know the big two do create characters all the time, um, a lot of them don't stick for a variety of different reasons, and I think that um, that's not a great thing, you know, because yeah, sure, any writer can come along and create a character. But are they going to be remembered in 20 years? Are they even going to be remembered in like five years? You know, a lot of times the answer is no. And you look at Marvel's whole initiative that they had, gosh, over 10 years ago, um, where it was, I, I can't even remember what it was called, but it was where they introduced uh, the female Captain America who was like his granddaughter or something like that. And all those different characters. I can't remember what that initiative was called. Is she a blonde? Yeah. I want to say her name was... Man. I'm well, really Star-spangled or something? Yeah, something. Well, what really fucked me up was the year. You said 2005, and, like, 
that was such a cutoff point for a lot of like because uh 2004 dc introduced like jason roosh and ryan Choi and this character bleach like they had like their own new character of initiative and i was like well i can't lean on any of these guys it's tough man yeah i I guess i guess sean when when you had when you had asked that i sort of came or like when phil had made that comment and i i had responded i i sort of approached it from like the world of like the image side and like the 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 content creation on outside of the big two yeah absolutely well that's that's because swamp nothing's happened in swamp thing in 75 years 15 years that's not true they introduced a a new character within the book who's a police captain from oh shit marco (laughs) she's a police captain that came into huma from gotham interrupting marco um you know what character was introduced (laughs) post 2005 that is very near and dear to all of our hearts True Canuck Wolverine, eh? <laughs> Let's all share a Molson and celebrate the creation of the greatest character. Oh, man. Okay. Well, we're going to move on from that. And we're going to do <laughs> our pals polls for the week. Uh, so we're going to start off with Kale, who chose Lobster Johnson, Volume 6. Chain forged in life. Whoa, they're on six already. Volume six. Nice. Uh, longtime listeners will know that uh, I'm a huge fan of Lobster Johnson. Uh, he's sort of Mike Mignola's um, uh, sort of. Uh, oh shit! Uh, noir. Yeah, noir. Sort of uh, Mike Mignola's uh, noir superhero. Um, I, I see he, the action there's dynamite the writing is incredible the art it's all spot on and it's it's everything I want in a, a superhero book a, a slightly dark and gritty edge uh, but also you know fun awesome um, you also chose Justice League of America volume 3 panic microverse so it's it's actually kind of funny that um Phil mentioned Ryan Choi because uh, he's so he's the the second Adam, sort of the the legacy Adam. Um, third in Adam. this in this is he the third? He's the third Adam, my dude. You just gonna leave that hanging there? Who's uh, the second? Well, the second one is um is uh, uh Ray Palmer, and the first Adam. Oh, making me look yeah. this up. Yeah, because he's from yeah, the yeah, Golden no, Age. He's uh, on the fucking Al, Pr- Al Pratt. Al Pratt. Yep. 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 Good call, good call. Way to watch him. Um, uh, so this this uh, book is all about Ryan Choi taking the Justice League of America, which isn't the Justice League, uh, into the microverse, I guess, to find Ray Palmer, who uh, dis- who disappeared in uh, Rebirth. Yeah. That's the second time that's happened. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Um, it's also funny because uh, this week I will be on the uh, the long box short box talking about identity crisis. Ooh, that's a book that's very near and dear to your heart. I know. Yeah, it is, and uh, I'm excited to see if it uh, holds up. Kale, I'd, I'd like to respectfully ask to not bring up that name on the show, please. Ryan Troy. Which one? The the Ray Ray Palmer no no uh, short identity box. crisis <laughs> identity 
fucking Christ. <laughs> <laughs> The, the, the I, long box, they don't they don't deserve our, our attention. Hey, Marco, hey, listen. I'd appreciate it if you didn't bring up that name. <laughs> what, Marco? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then you also chose Green Hornet number one. So I, I included this specifically because this uh, Marco, Pete, and I uh, brought this up a couple of weeks ago. This is the... Let me see if I can get it right. It's the... Um, the daughter of Cato, who is now taking over the mantle of the Green Hornet. Um, so it's a, yeah. a, a, an Asian female lead uh, written by a, a female Asian woman uh, who uh, has a long history <laughs> of... <saw> that too. <laughs> <laughs> who, uh, she has a long history, I guess, of you know, being being a fan of the Green Hornet, so um, uh, the stars are aligned for this for this book. Who was it again? It? I believe her name's Amy Chu. Oh, yeah. oh, yeah. okay, awesome. She's good. Yeah. Did Did Bruce Lee actually have a daughter? Uh, just the son. I, I don't know. All right. What? Because Bruce Lee was the original Green Horn. Oh, uh, Green Hornet sidekick. Kato. Yeah, yeah. this was the original Kato. That's why I asked. I don't know, man. All right. Oh, okay. I, that was... I'm not a Bruce Lee expert. All right. Okay, moving right along. Mm, yes, sir. Uh, Marco chose Star Wars 44. So, uh, I chose this because, uh, Sean, I don't know how you've been. I don't know if you caught up at all. I'm not. Okay. Uh, I don't know how I feel about Gillen's writing. I know it's like in a transition period still. So... I think, I think after this issue, I might call it as to whether or not I'm going to drop it. Um, Damn, so Marco's the, putting them on notice. The, the main Star Wars title has gone from Jason Aaron to Karen Gillan, right? Yeah, yeah. And uh, La Roca is still on art, and it's still bomb. It's fire. It's great. Um, I just don't. There's, I don't know. There's been such. It was such a shift in style and the sort of direction. Or the way that Aaron left the book off, and I, I feel like Gillen's been kind of scrambling to pick up the pieces of where everything is and try to f- forge his own direction in that. Um, so like this arc is almost done, and so I'm gonna stick through that. But I don't know if it doesn't if it doesn't resolve clean, I might. Uh, I think I'm gonna drop it. It's been I think the longest book I that and Saga right now that's ongoing for me. Wow. Wow. 44 issues is the longest ongoing you've ever read? Not that I've ever read, but it's the long, like my my current one at least. Right, right. Wow. Because, yeah, huh. I mean, yeah, I don't read Swamp like superhero stuff or. Gosh. I, when I hear that, it's just crazy because, like, I've been buying Captain America for 10 years straight. <laughs> Whoa, cool. <laughs> like, I just never stopped. I don't I know. Wish, I wish that in the past 10 years, I knew that I could come up, like I knew for certain that I could come up with five bucks for Captain America <laughs> for ten years straight. <laughs> I wish I knew that too. Shit, I don't know. <laughs> I see. I, I I have a tendency to fall an author, and if an author leaves a book, I stop reading it. You know, I, I, well, which is a bad tendency. I should give the next one a chance, right? But I'm like, I don't really left. I'm good. Well, the, the thing with that was, like, Kieran, I was totally up to give him a chance because he came out of Darth Vader. He's been in the Star Wars universe in general, and, like, all that stuff's been great. So, 
I was excited for this transition, but now it's sort of just left me. Uh, I, I just want to like feel burnt and then like drop it. So I don't know. I'll see how it nets out. All right. Uh, Phil chose Daredevil by Mark Wade and Chris Samney, the Omnibus. This is the second volume of the Omnibus, right? That's correct, sir. I have the first one sitting on my shelf as we speak. Um, Daredevil is a fortunate character in that uh, just about almost for the duration of the character's entire existence, he has had a good creative team on. Uh not so much Stan. Really, when Frank Miller took over, like since Frank Miller, um, it was like a home run after home run. And Mark Wade's run is right up there with like Brubaker and and Bendis's run, which is funny because I think it's like the only thing Bendis ever wrote well. Um, and this is the second volume of the Omnibus Collection. Uh, this is where it starts to dip a little bit because his run kind of tapered out a little bit toward the end. Um, but it's an omnibus. I like the collected edition of things. Uh, it's a hundred dollars now, but you can probably find it marked down to fifty pretty quickly afterwards. So um, I'm picking this shit up. You should too. Cool. Uh, and then for me, I chose Oblivion Song Number One. This is a big deal uh, because it's a new Robert Kirkman book. Um, we've talked about it on the show quite a bit uh, at various points. Um, I'm looking forward to it. I don't follow anything that Robert Kirkman writes. Um, I, I tried with The Walking Dead, but I was collecting it, and there are just too many issues to catch up, so I just stopped trying. Um, but this is a fresh start, uh, and the art looks really tight. Uh, Lorenzo De Felici and Annalisi, Annalisa Leone. So, um, I'm not familiar with those artists, but I've seen what the book looks like, and it looks great. And Robert Kirkman is definitely talented, so I'm going to be picking this up. And I'm sure if Pete were here, this would be his pal's pull for the week as well. So, Although everything Pete likes is bad. Oof, ah, that's not correct. <laughs> uh, so, before we officially jump into all the news, I do want to wish Stan Lee well. Uh, he is battling pneumonia. At 95 years old, which is not good. It's not good to have pneumonia at any age, let alone 95. But he's alive and kicking. And he actually released a video of himself um, to TMZ where he's just kind of letting us know that he's A-OK. And I'll read a quote from the video. I want you all to know I'm thinking of you. Of course, I always think of the fans. And I hope you're all doing well. And I miss you all. I miss your enthusiasm. I miss all your notes, all your photos and emails. I want you to know that I still love you all. Maybe I'll have some of this pneumonia knocked down and we can have some real fun over the internet. Until then, Excelsior. Thanks, Funky Flash, man. So, uh, and while we're at it, while we're in the business of wishing well, we should also wish Kevin Smith well. Yeah. Who nearly That's died right. from yeah. a heart attack recently, so. We almost lost two major uh, creators in the same week, which would have been a huge blow. This would be a totally different show if that were the case. But uh, and it comes in threes. Who's next? Let's not speculate. Hopefully, hopefully Scott Lobdell. Oh my god! <laughs> I, I mean, I was gonna say Pete. I wasn't gonna say any like famous person or anything. <laughs> and that was the random question of the week. Oh wait, am I too late? <laughs> I didn't say a famous person either. 
Oh, <laughs> let's not be mean spirited. All right, <clears throat> so now we'll jump into the news proper uh, with a pretty big piece of news, although something I guess we did know was coming. Um, a major change in the way that Diamond is handling uh, comic books because they've now announced uh, the pull box, which is a digital pull list that uh, comic book buyers can keep through Diamond uh, that will allow them to connect with their local comic book shop and keep a standing order with them through through the uh, through the website. Um, on the retailer end, Pullbox will offer a number of features, including back-end approval of new Pullbox customers, alerts to new orders, set order, <coughs> set ordering dates, and the ability to sync customers' pre-orders with the rest of Diamond's retailer ordering systems. So uh, you'll be able to you know, use the website to keep your pull list and manage it in any way you want. And also create what they refer to as "quote unquote" special orders and a wish list. So hmm. that's actually really, really interesting. And we talked about it. Um, we talked about the need for something like this a few episodes back. So it's awesome that they've announced this. Um, we don't know a ton of details outside of what I just said, uh, but this is something that the industry sorely needs. Um, there will be demos available at the Diamond Retailer Summit in April, so I'm sure we'll hear more coming out of that. But uh, in, in their announcement, Diamond had this to say. The new cloud-based software is part of a broader strategy by Diamond to create an easy way to funnel orders to local comic book shops and make the pre-order process a much more viable and vital process for the entire comics industry. So what yeah. are you guys thinking about that? We, we talked about it largely um, in that in the other episode, but like this is definitely something, at least for me, I don't, my my pull list is uh, managed directly through my local comic shop and uh, it's been hard with Comixology going away because they had a direct integration with that and then they had that with their sales. So it was really easy for them, but now we're back to like emails. It's like, I need this on hold and it sucks and it's really slow books are getting missed like it's it's just been unfortunate for the retailer side so more so for me i hope this helps them because again comic shops are struggling and the the process of getting a book is so difficult um and so tedious i i I really just hope it streamlines the process and makes it um and i hope it's a it's a better version of comicsology because for all intents and purposes like comicsology wasn't bad it definitely needed upgrades and improvements and stuff, but uh, it was still a, 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 a service a, a service that we could use. Yeah. Something. It was something, yeah. <laughs> it was literally anything. <laughs> sure. <laughs> anything to streamline or expedite the process to help readers be able to access books in general. Um, <clears throat> like, uh, there seems like there's such a... Uh, such a large gate to like cross just to like for for non uh, weekly readers to try to access these books and if this is a process to help streamline it like marco said then yeah all the power to diamond i actually i'm skeptical um i think this is a really good move i think um it's a move that's 
needed and has been needed for a long time. I think I think Phil is exactly right. Like, um, you know, the the process is is tedious and and uh, you know, frankly, like it it would put me off were I a new reader. Uh, but uh, even even with physical copies uh, of books like Diamond being the only major distributor like they're fine you know most of the time stores get their books and you know they're they're not without problems but often their problems are pretty pretty bad you know if your one job is shipping out books you know the fact that you're missing you know that you can up miss a store's you know almost full order is just like that's terrible so i you know i i i have been longing for another distributor to put to take in the reins um but you know if if they can do it and they do it well i you know i i do i hope it works i'm i'm with you man uh i just don't i don't really believe in diamond honestly yeah yeah comes down to that for me totally uh they have had the reins on the way that comics are distributed for a really long time the fact that they're only now 99 yeah or or, yeah or 97 was it was it was it 99 or 97 Mm, i i remember the article saying 99 it could be 97 but it's around there late late 90s either way yeah two years apart at, at any rate um they they're slow man and they're not they have not done the industry any favors and like you said we've talked about this already so i won't belabor it but i hope that this works i really really do because i think that um we need to get a a develop a better way for people to get their books and um shoot i wish that all comic book stores had the capacity to deliver books to you that's something that Midtown yeah. Comics does, and I don't use it, but I know that that's a thing, and it's super cool that they do it, and you can pre-order your books through their website and get them delivered to you. You never have to go to the store if you don't want to, and it's the same process, and it's it's, it's streamlined, and it's beautiful, and if we could just have that across the entire country for comics, it'd be great. Why is it that there's a, a comic book store that has figured out how to do that and before Diamond? That's ridiculous, but we'll see how this plays out. Obviously, a big problem with that is a lot of the Midwestern and Southern states, um, is a, they're a lot more spread out, and it'd be more difficult for uh, LCSs to deliver books. But And, and major cities, point. absolutely. Yeah, that, that, that's absolutely a fair point. And I think you could it could be as simple as, hey, if you live, if you live X amount far enough away, we can't deliver to you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I agree. No, that's a good point. But... Um, We'll see how this plays out. We'll probably hear more in April, so stay tuned for that. Now, Mark Millar is making headlines again because, uh, you know, he's always saying something kind of controversial, always saying or doing something controversial. And uh, this time, he is explaining why Marvel's movies are better than DC's. Whoa, 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 what? What a <laughs> I know, take. revelation. Strongly disagree. Uh, Uh. (laughs) so uh he essentially says that 
DC films do not develop the human character. Uh, they simply focus on the superhero. So this is this is the quote. And I say that as a massive DC fan who much prefers their characters to Marvel's. Superman, Batman, and Wonder Woman are some of my favorites. But I think these characters, with the exception of Batman, they aren't based around their secret identity. They are based around their superpower. Whereas the Marvel characters tend to be based around the personality of Matt Murdock or Peter Parker or the individual X-Men, it's all about the character. People will slam me for this, but I think the evidence is there. We've seen great directors, great writers, and great actors, tons of money thrown at them, but these films aren't working. I think they are all too far away from, from when they were created. Something feels a little old about them. Kids look at these characters and they don't feel that cool. Even Superman. I love Superman. But he belongs to an America that doesn't exist anymore. He represents 20th century America and I think he peaked then. Yeah, guys, I'm going to go on a lark here. Uh, controversial opinion, but uh, I think sex is better than hand jobs. <laughs> Whoa, don't crucify me for that one. <laughs> I mean, not everybody feels that way, but all right. <laughs> yeah, just it's the same percentage of people who think that the DC cinematic films are better than Marvel films. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, I, I guess I agree with Mark Millar. Yeah, this one's tough because, like, his initial statement, yeah, it makes a lot of sense. And I think he's right. You know, they're focusing on the icon as opposed to what makes the icon then the second half oh boy off the rails yeah yeah the, the second half kind of goes in a mark millar kind of you know hyperbole it's crazy that superman peaked when he last wrote the character hmm hmm hmm, hmm. <sighs> it's 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 interesting right because uh, fundamentally, I don't agree with his point, right? Like, what, what, I've never read anything or seen anything that focused more on Wonder Woman's powers than who she was. I don't, I don't think that's true. Uh, and Wonder Woman, I don't, go ahead. I don't think Wonder Woman's a good example, though. Yeah, it's the only well, good that, movie they did. Yeah, that too, right? But, they, but these, this is what he, he chose to say. So I don't know why he would even say that, because that's just, that's not true. Because his brain uh, is mush, my good dude. <laughs> and then when it comes to Superman, uh, I, I also disagree. Uh, you look at Superman Returns, that movie was bad because it was trying to ape something that was great 20, 30 years prior. And it had it didn't even have Superman throwing a punch. Uh, it didn't. It, did, it, it like deliberately did not focus on Superman's powers. And that was part of the reason why it sucked, because it wasn't interesting. Uh, it tried to do exactly what he's saying, and it didn't. It failed. But Superman Returns wasn't part of the DCEU. I know, That's true. But he's, okay. he's so, using it as a focal point to ex extrapolate the opposite on the extreme. Right. So, okay, if you want to talk about, like, Man of Steel, for example, uh, Man of Steel focuses as much on who Superman is in that world as it does what he can do. And I don't think that there's anything wrong with a movie focusing on what the character can do. You look at uh, Spider-Man, the original Spider-Man movie, for example. That movie is very much about setting the table for Spider-Man and his powers. The second one takes those powers away. 
You know, we always play with those things. If you don't like Man of Steel, that's fine. But to say that it's because it focused on his powers, that's that's ridiculous. That's just that's not true. Like what what I'm reading is that it focuses on the powers as opposed to the character. But where but where like is that? There's, but but to there's very. Go ahead, Marco. I'm sorry, but but to Sean's point, like Man of Steel focused largely on Clark and on Superman. I I, I think. More so, it's in Man of Steel did not Man of Steel did not do a good job of focusing on Clark. Clark was definitely a secondary yeah. vessel of that film. Like, does Clark can't exist in that? Yeah, but he's a he's a passenger, and in that third, the movie's more about Kal El, if anything. Mm-hmm. Yes, but don't don't get caught in the weeds though. He said powers. I understand, the, the, but the third act of that film is basically a power fest. It's a it's a it's a slog fest of mass destruction. So in that regard, there's a nugget of truth to it because the entire third act of the movie is it's nothing but like powers, messy powers, um, which probably sounds like his bedroom life. <laughs> okay, uh, nice try. So. I, I I don't know, guys. I I I really I really don't I don't agree. I mean, you look at like any superhero film; majority of them end the same way, and there's not a ton that's different between the way that Man of Steel ends in terms of it being a superhero fight fest than the way Civil War ends, or the way this movie ends, or that movie ends. And you can say like you didn't like the emotional stakes at play, but they're there. Um, they're definitely present for for Superman, for Kal El. I agree with you, Phil, that Clark is not really a present character uh, in that movie, but that's because that movie wasn't made to explore Clark. Um, and maybe you're right. Maybe that is to Mark Millar's point. His point, he does say that they don't care about the secret identity as much. So maybe that's maybe that's the key. I don't know. But if you're talking about power specifically. I don't think that if you look at the DC film slate that what they have done is bad because they focus on the powers. I think it's bad because the like the the meal's bad, you know? Yeah, and instead of focusing on Harley Quinn the character, they focus on Harley Quinn the daddy's little monster. And frankly, that's a really good point, Mark Millar, because that's we all want to see the person behind Daddy's little monster. So, hat off to you. Ugh. Don't take like a noble pose, you son of a bitch. <laughs> Kale, let me ask you this question. Uh, so you, you're obviously a fan of the Marvel films. Do you sure. think that the reason why those films are successful on a fundamental level is because they focus more on the secret identity of the character as opposed to their persona when they have on their costume i think i think they're more successful because they start they focus on uh, yes um i think i think that they are successful because they focus on the person and who that person is uh when they get the power like yes the power is dope and yes the power um aids the film and, and and makes the film and the story good but it's the the person that you're there to relate to yeah you know so what iron man goes through in iron man you know what tony stark goes through in iron man 
even though he's kind of a piece of shit, you feel for him. You get it. You're there. You're going through what he's going through. And the cool rocket boots and the the blaster gloves are just uh, a hip part of it, you know? People, people, like Iron Man has a cool suit with cool powers, but people like Robert Downey Jr. as Tony Stark. That's what they come back for. He is the face of the MCU. Captain America is not too dissimilar from Wonder Woman or, or Superman in their iconography, but at the end of the day, it comes back to Steve Rogers and that character, which I don't think you really get with the Zack Snyder films too much. Um, yeah, that's that's what I would say. Like the that Henry Cavill portrayal of Superman doesn't really touch on Clark Kent, which is like the foundation of Superman. Sure. Yeah, like if you if you take his origin, you know, shooting from the rocket. Uh, of Krypton that's the only Superman part of his origin really like he was raised on a farm in uh, Kansas and you know he uh, moved to the big city and uh, operates in these sort of small town um, ideologies you know and I think I think Man of Steel misses that all right I can see that yeah uh, I guess I guess for me it's like you know the like I like Man of Steel right um but let's say like divorce that forget forget that I like it um no problem <laughs> I I definitely understand saying like oh Zack Snyder's vision wasn't for me or whatever um that's fine I don't think that there's a fundamental problem with these characters uh, oh, yeah. that because he says um, Superman peaked in, in the 20th century. Right. No, no, no. And I think, I, I think, think we're all in agreement maybe there. Maybe that's, yeah, I think maybe that's where you're, you're sort of disagreeing with us, but we're also sort of, sort of agreeing with you. We agree with the first half of what Mark Millar said. The, they, you know, they, the Marvel movies focus on the people as opposed to the powers. Uh, the second half of the Superman garbage that he said, which that's, I'm not even touching that. That's a holy. Stupid. Yeah, the first half is, yeah. There's a, there's a, there's a it's an opinion, but like there's enough to it that you could be like, I can at least see where he's coming from. The second half is like walking past someone else's dog poop on the sidewalk. You're not gonna touch that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, fair enough. Uh, like you said, we won't touch it, and we'll move right along. So, uh, Brian Michael Bendis, my favorite, has an, <laughs> I know, has made uh, some some announcements about what we can expect from the new Jinx World titles yes. that will be released under his exclusive agreement with DC Comics. Uh, so, Emerald City Comic Con is ongoing right now as we speak, uh, but yesterday, that being Friday for us, uh, he did come out and he did announce two new titles. Uh, so he's going to reteam with David Mack, who he worked on Kabuki with, for oh, nice. a, a book called Cover, inspired by a true story in which a comics creator is recruited by an intelligence agency to live a double life as a spy. That's that's pretty interesting. Um, it's going to be coming out this fall, 
And again, if you like the combo of Bendis and David Mack, this is right up your alley. So uh, that's that's one. And then he's reuniting with Michael Gatos, who he created Alias with, for Pearl, described as an epic romance set among warring Yakuza factions in present-day San Francisco. Debuting Ooh. in August, the series centers on Pearl, a tattoo artist, and accidental assassin who becomes entangled with her counterpart from another faction. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm interested in Pearl. Yeah. Yeah, that sounds good. Yeah. The other one... We'll the, see. Yeah, the other one sounds just like Castle. The TV show with Nathan Fillion. What's the... I'm what's, not yeah, I'm not familiar. Yeah. I mean, the so the premise is a writer gets... Uh, taken in by cops to help solve crimes. Oh, okay. Like, <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. So he's just he's just a writer. He has no skills at all. No. Yep. Wow. Yep. Okay. He's a crime writer. Like. <laughs> all right. Uh. So you know, yeah. you know, like a comic book writer would have all of these skills for uh, a spy organization. Oh, yeah. totally. If anything, I mean, we have negative skills, right? Because we sit around and write <laughs> all day, so we're out of shape. That's right. We don't talk to people, so we have no social abilities. Like this is <laughs> this is a terrible idea. Yeah, that's right. Just like Castle. <laughs> uh, but that's not the only big news coming from the uh, Jinx World DC collaboration, because uh, for the time being, uh, well, in fact, from now until the seventh of March, uh, you can get five number ones free. Uh, from readdc.com. Brilliant number one is free. Powers number one is free. Scarlet number one is free. The United States of Murder Incorporated is free, number one. And Takio number one is free. So if you want to get a feel for what Bendis' creator-owned work is like and you've not read it before, or you want to sample one of his books that you haven't had a chance to pick up, uh, they're all there for free. And then if you want to, you can also pick up the collected editions of each of these series through readdc.com as well. So they're all there. Cool. What were the what were the last two? Uh Takio and the United States of Murder Incorporated. I feel like we've talked about the uh Murder Incorporated. I brought it up in the past, yeah. Oh, okay. Is it good? I'm I'm interested. I liked it. I liked all right. it. All right, cool. I picked that up. Yeah, listeners, or give it a shot. It. He's one of the most important writers of our industry, so give it a shot. De- definitely give Powers a shot. I I will stand by that. Scarlet, I love. That oh, book. Scarlet's good. Yeah. Yep. Phil, I see your face. I know you're trying to get a reaction. The fact that you would facetiously say that he's <laughs> one of the most important writers in our industry is crazy. <laughs> like, of course he is. Yes. So give it a read, listeners. Why don't you give it a read? Have you read any of these? Huh? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Say no more. Please. <laughs> so while we're on the subject of new imprints at DC, Neil Gaiman has announced the new Sandman universe imprint that's going to be uh, coming out of DC. Uh, this is the 30-year anniversary of The Sandman when that first dropped, and now we're going to be getting more Sandman. Um, in 2013, we got Sandman Overture, 
So we've had a little bit of, of stuff come out over the years, and then uh, Sandman is in is in metal too, right? That's right. So is he really? Our, yeah. our dream is there's Sandman affiliated stuff in metal. Yeah, yeah. What really? Yes, yep. sir. Whoa, that's really cool. Where have you been? <laughs> we've talked about I this don't read on it. the show. No, but not the the magic. Yeah, the... we we left that part out probably. No, we talked about it. I brought it up. <laughs> Yeah, no, you've. T- I knew that much. Yeah, really? you've talked oh, okay. about it before. Um, Sean, is the the new Sandman stuff is that coming in a DC or Vertigo? That's a good question. That's a good question. I think it's DC. I because I, I feel like I feel like it was Vertigo. I could be wrong. I could be wrong. Uh, no, yeah, DC is launching a Sandman universe line of four new comic series. Okay, and this is coming out of Entertainment Weekly, are they, and that's what I'm reading from. So if they're wrong, yeah, take sure. it up with them. Are they all um, written by Neil Gaiman, or are they like presented by Neil Gaiman? So, so there's actually an entire host of, of creators that he's put together for this project. Nice. Uh, so, uh, Nalo T- Hopkinson, uh, Cat Howard, Cy Spurrier, and Dan Waters, with art by Bilquis Everly and a cover by Jolly. That's that's the crew for. The Sandman Universe number one issue. Whoa. That's a big crew. Yeah. And then out of that, they're each going to have, you know, their own book or something like that. Like, there's going to be Books of Magic, House of Whisper. Uh, So, there's several titles that are coming out in this universe. And they're each going to be taken care of by a different creator. So, um, I think this is really cool. And in, in the immortal words of our very show... It could be good. It, it'll. I mean, Neil Gaiman produces really good stuff, so I'm pretty sure it'll be good. Could be good, Marco. No, no, pretty sure it'll be good. Okay, stop that. <laughs> All right, that that's crazy. Uh, is anyone like in, in, into this? Uh, yeah, Marco obviously. Hello. Super is. Uh, you know. Uh, Sandman isn't a superhero book, so it totally makes sense yeah. that you know Marco would be. Uh, and this is you know the Sandman series is is one of DC's like uh, DC Vertigo's like big like flagship books. You know, it's the thing that put them on the map. Um, yeah. So I you know I I don't know I feel I personally am a little skeptical about it really but I've, i haven't been that big a fan of it so like i like it you know but i'm not crazy about it i don't know the i mean the for me the uh new game and heading this up and like handpicking the talent and the, yeah. the talent that was announced like those are all crazy great creators um I, i'm i'm excited for it i'm excited to see this universe come back uh or to see it in a, in a new light um and to have its own sort of universe in and of itself that that's really cool because that's something they they had tried to do years back um with a bunch of crossovers uh with the book of magic uh constantine uh sandman swamp thing like all when like, the big vertical titles were around um yeah I, I'm, I'm really pumped for this you know what man i gotta be honest i want to be but i i don't know that i am Boo. I, I think it's it's really cool that neil gaiman is in charge and and got to pick his team and you know worked really closely with editorial uh to make this happen 
uh, for me, like it's it's sort of on the same same level as Young Animal, though. Like sweet, dope. I you know this um, makes room for for more creators on uh, you know more books, and that can only be a good thing. Um, uh, just the Sandman stuff and the the Neil Gaiman comic stuff. Just, it's not my bag. I, I do uh, want to point out that some of these names uh, are not names that I'm familiar with. So it's really cool at the very least that as someone who's been in the industry, you know, like reading comics for well over a decade at this point, that he's introducing me to new names, new creators who I've not read, um, who now have a chance to write for one of the most celebrated characters, one of the most celebrated lines of all time. And maybe this opens big doors for them. So I think that if if not if for no other reason, I'm excited for that. I think that's great. Yeah, like Simon Simon Spurrier uh, was nominated for an Eisner back in 2015. I want to say 2014 for um, a Boom title. Uh, I'm blanking on the name, uh, but it's it's um, really well done. His art is crazy. Cy Spurrier. Cy Spurrier. Sorry, he, he, his name actually is Simon. Is it? Yeah, it's, okay. he just goes. By he shortens Simon, it. Yeah, he shortens yeah. it. Okay, um, but but yeah. So hopefully this works out. I'm sure it's going to be good. The 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 you know yeah. names that I know of that are attached. Come on. So if you're into Sandman, you got something good to look forward to. Maybe. Uh, for the rest of us who are looking forward to Avengers: Infinity War, which is the next major movie on the docket. We have one less week to prepare because Marvel moved up the release date in a move that is unprecedented. Uh, Avengers Infinity War moved from May 4th to April 27th, a whole week earlier. Is there a reason for that? Uh, yeah. Robert, Robert Downey Jr. asked him, asked him to. So as to what Kale's referring to... <clears throat> um, this, this all sort of broke down over a, a tweet exchange. Um, Marvel put out a tweet uh, saying something along the lines of, you know, get ready for Infinity War May 4th. And then Robert Downey Jr. said on Twitter, any chance I could see it earlier? And they replied, sure. Uh, how does um, April 27th sound? And then Robert said, great, with friends? And they said... Yeah, and then they tagged in all the you know major actors from the uh, from the cinematic universe. Uh, and Robert cool. Downey Jr. said the entire world, and they said yeah, and he said that's a fantastic idea. Done. And then Marvel Studios tweeted out: Avengers: Infinity War releases in theaters everywhere April twenty seventh. So there was some confusion about whether or not that meant. The U.S. included because we never get these things alongside everyone else. But um, this is this is real. It's really happening. <clears throat> um, so there's actually a lot more under the surface here that I, I did want to dive into. Yeah, that's what I'm wondering about. Now, obviously, there is no way that they made this decision via Twitter exchange between Tony Stark and the manager of the Twitter for, you know. No, of course. It, it was clearly just a publicity Exactly. So, uh, there are several reasons why this may be the case, why this may have happened. Number one is that Deadpool 2 
switched release dates from June to May. And if Infinity War had kept its May 4th release date, they would have only had uh, two weeks, I believe, between Deadpool 2 and Infinity War. That's not a ton of time. Deadpool 2 is going to do big numbers. Everyone's excited for that. And obviously, Infinity War is too, but they would love to reap the benefits for three weeks if they can. Four weeks is even better, right? So that's one That's one piece of the puzzle. Uh, in addition, when you think about it, they're making money off of Deadpool as well. So why would Marvel want to cannibalize their own profits by putting these movies up against each other? Doesn't make any sense. I don't think Disney sees it that way. Okay, fair enough. Um, and then on top of that, Solo, a Star Wars story, is coming out right after Deadpool. So they wouldn't have necessarily gotten the full amount of cash from Avengers 3 had they released on that week because it's going to be followed so quickly by two other movies that are coming out that are going to be incredibly successful by all accounts. Uh, so this three-week window helps them out with that. The, the other element, though, uh, is that this could actually be a move for Disney to simply flex their muscle. Because now we're looking at a scenario where Disney basically runs the roost. All three movies that I mentioned, in some way or another, Marvel's making money off those movies. Disney, I should say, is making money off those movies. Um they can move a release date for a film weeks before its release, and no one can challenge them. And what are you supposed to do if that happens to you? In fact, uh, there's there's a couple of movies, <clears throat> there's a couple of movies that are coming out um, right alongside the release of Avengers that now that originally were going to have like a couple of weeks to themselves, and now are bumping up right against that release date. So there's one, I believe it's an Amy Schumer movie uh, that's Aww. that's coming out now on this. <laughs> I mean, I'm not I'm not personally, you know, worried about the Amy, the Amy Schumer <laughs> film, but that's the point, right? They put that movie there hoping it would do modest numbers and get some something going before Infinity War comes and sweeps everything up. Now that's not going to happen. Because no one, I shouldn't say no one. Most people are not going to go to the movies. I mean, nobody was going to go see that Amy Schumer movie anyway. Let's get real. <laughs> all, all, all right. Fair enough. Sean bags off that one. All right. <laughs> what am I going to say? Yeah, right. Uh, but, but what do you guys think about this? All right. My major takeaway from this is that I think Solo is not going to do very well because it's bam, bam, bam. First, you have the Avengers in late April. Following that is going to be Deadpool 2. Both of those movies are going to do gangbusters. Um, the first Deadpool was a massive success. Obviously, Avengers is like a major cinematic experience that for all intents and purposes should be the uh, largest movie of the year, though obviously Black Panther did really, really well as well. Um, and following those two movies is going to be Solo. And obviously, Star Wars hype is, you know, it's not something to be trifled with. But to have three major blockbuster films in the course of about a month is going to lead to serious audience fatigue. Usually, historically and traditionally speaking, this is usually 
spread out between late April through late July. And usually late July is kind of like the weeds of, um, of, of blockbuster films. But, um, when you have those types of films so close together, there was a study I read a few years ago about how audiences only allocate so much money to seeing movies. And usually one is to like a Pixar film. Um, and then like three or four toward, you know, a major blockbuster film, like whether it's a horror film or superhero, superhero oriented, or what have you. Basically, it was a critique on Universal's attempt to try to start a monster cinematic universe with their monster IPs and basically how there's no room for this. Um, and it's, it's a commentary on how uh, the major uh, film studios like Fox and Sony and Disney are uh, spending more and more money trying to focus on just one or two major films. Um, and we're seeing it right now because every year when they're, when five, when, when the other studios try to compete, they get stomped out because audiences just don't have the money or time or interest in seeing these other films. Um, obviously Star Wars is super popular, but coming out of the, on, uh, off the wave of these two juggernauts, I don't know how it's going to, I don't know how it's going to do. Yeah, I mean, uh, even just looking at the quality of the trailer, like Solo looks like a, a really weak film. Yeah, like I, I think it's it's the probably the first Star Wars movie, um, period that's come out that I am probably gonna actively avoid. And I don't think you're unique. Huh, I don't huh. think you're unique in that feeling. I think there's a lot of people that feel that way. Um, uniquely, because obviously, fifteen, ten years ago was a different landscape. Um, even though people had reservations about the prequel trilogy as each one came out, people like myself were stupid and kept going anyway because they were like, well, this is probably going to be better than the last one. Um, people aren't like that anymore because of how the landscape of cinematic films have changed. If something's bad, people just don't see it. There was also less competition. Exactly. That's what I mean. Yeah. There wasn't a reason. Or there wasn't, you know... You might have only had the one movie to go see uh, every year or every summer, I should say. Uh, now you got a ton. The other movie that is going to be crushed by this is Rampage, The Rock's new movie. Ooh. Uh, it's only going to have a week uh, of freedom before Avengers comes out. There is one Ouch. more. Yeah. You're probably There's right. One, yeah, that movie's, that movie's done for. There's one more movie, though, or rather one more reason why Marvel may have made this choice and it's because of spoilers. So uh, there's a big problem that occurs when these movies come out weeks ahead in some places than others. The U S we always get it really late in comparison to Europe. So um, now everyone gets it at the same time. You don't have to dodge spoilers for this movie. And I guarantee that dodging spoilers would have required you to not get on the internet. Yo, speaking of that very subject, I saw a thread the other day that was like list of spoilers, list of confirmed characters who die in Infinity War, and it had a picture of a character who I don't want to say, and like my first instinct was, you son of a bitch, that picture is a spoiler. I mean, this could be all bullshit just to like fuck with fans, but uh, I got hook, line, sinkered there. So... When we get closer and closer to the actual release date of this film, this shit's going to be get even more rampant. Yeah, I yeah one one definite good thing about this is that I'm not gonna get to see it you know a week earlier and like have to remember everything by the time <laughs> I 
<laughs> by the time we get around to podcasting about it. Yeah. Yeah. Real pumped about that. Um, you know, a lot of people are like, uh, um, at my uh, day job, everyone's like, oh, you hear Avengers being pushed up? And I just feel like it's like, it's just a week, whatever. I don't care. But people are hyped. Like, this is a good publicity stunt. It's getting people actually, like, it's one less week to wait. And to a lot of people, that is a difference maker. Sure. And again, it builds anticipation. Who was talking about Infinity War specifically um, prior to this week? Now everybody's talking about it again. Exactly. And now the machine builds, you know, because it's now we know you've got just, you know, under two months to get ready for this movie. And, you know, this is this is a, a huge moment. So uh, I'm excited. So figure out what you're going to wear. Yeah. Because you got two months to get ready. That's right. I'm going to wear um, sports jerseys like I do for every cinematic release of a Marvel movie. Scrub. <laughs> so, uh, the Hollywood Reporter has put out a report, uh, <laughs> as they want to do, Yeah, suggesting that 20th Century Fox is, pu- is, is ready to produce more... X-Men films than ever before. Uh, <laughs> they sure are. In light, in light of the fact that there's this looming Disney-Fox merger, they haven't slowed down. If anything, they've ramped up production. And this, this article goes into detail about the fact that they're producing a Silver Surfer movie. Whoa. Being written by Brian K. Vaughn. Whoa! There it is. There it is. Okay. I was gonna say. Oh, hold on, Marvel, uh, Marco. Wait for it. Wait for it. I fucks with huh. it. I. So when when you said that, oh, I'm sorry, Sean. Did you finish? Uh, I just wanted to add. Yeah, go for it. Go ahead. Um, this is this is coming from a Fox insider. We actually have way more in development and production in Marvel IP than at any point in the history of the su- the studio. There has been zero slowdown. On that front, given Disney, uh, so this is this is amazing that they're working on that, and then there are several other movies that they're working on that we haven't even gotten to. Marco, what's your take so far? So I I think they're trying to use the last like a, as this merger is happening, I feel like they're trying to use the last bits of the 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 properties that they, that they have to send out to send out these movies and accelerate them before the actual merger before Fox can no longer make the money off of that. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask. I was do you I was going to ask do you think they're just going to shit out X-Men movies until you know, until the deal is done. Well, they're making 3 X-Men movies uh in 2019 and then another 3 in 2020. So that's yes. up from the two that we had typically been getting uh, in years prior. So to answer your question, yeah, I think a lot of them aren't going to be made. Um, like the Silver Surfer I mean, thing, I don't think that gets made. I think you're right. I think that the ones that they want, the ones that are that are imminent, yeah. So the yeah. ones obviously this year, and then I would say the ones next year, probably safe because we haven't really heard where the Disney Fox deal is going. Uh, this kind of thing can take a long time. I could see it taking until 2020 to really be done. Sure. If it's going to happen. 
You know, if it's really going to go through. Might get blocked. Yeah. I wonder I wonder if they're just sort of, you know, put hammer down a little bit more like realism on, on my take. I wonder if they're trying to get a bunch of movies into some sort of production so that when that deadline comes, they can say, okay, well, we've got all these movies in production. Sorry, the deal was, you know, uh, we can only, you know, you have to let us release these movies under this, you know, that are on this deadline. So, right, like, gotta let's do it. finish these films that we are yeah. on. Yeah, possibly. Or, or they just like, get completely squashed. Them out. They could get squashed, but they could also get released on the Disney, um, oh gosh, Disney streaming service. Oh, oh God. Be what a thought. When that, when those things align, uh, at, uh, Dark Phoenix 2 might not make a lot of sense to release on screen if if Disney now to, owns them to to release right. yeah you're right but on the app the the streaming service why not it's already made you don't have to do a lot for it and people might want to pay to see that so Oof, that's a crazy ass thought um so the, though if they do make this silver surfer movie uh i had to I have to make it crystal clear that would be off the chain. Yeah, I'm I'm not a Silver Surfer fan in any capacity, but I know he's in space and Brian K. Vaughn <laughs> and that's it. But you're about to be. But I'm about to be, I think. I yeah. You don't like superhero shit, you'd probably like Silver Surfer. Yeah? Yeah. yeah. He's the he's the swamp thing of, of Marvel. Oh, my interest has been piqued. <laughs> I don't know how to react to that i mean on his face hey brian k vaughn writing a silver surfer movie that's crazy but uh i don't really have a i don't know i I don't have like a great feeling of excitement for that given the climate that we're in yeah i also uh i've expressed this many times i'm not a fan of like let's just put out this random movie starring this character who has no connection to anything you know when was the last time that we got a fantastic four movie that anybody cared about when was the last time silver surfer was on screen i know that that doesn't matter to a lot of people but it matters to me because the context of the character matters like is galactus in it you know that matters to me um so i have a lot of questions but on his face is it cool yes it's cool uh so let's move on because marvel had a metric ton of announcements that they made this week um, regarding this fresh start that they're doing. And what I want to do first is I want to go through the announcements and kind of, you know, just talk a little bit about them. There are many. Um, Some will have more to say about than others. Uh, And then this will, you know, lead us into our main topic a little later once we get through these announcements. Now, the one that I want to uh, actually lead with is the announcement of the amazing Spider-Man creative team of Nick Spencer and Ryan Otley. So, uh, everybody knows that Dan Slott is leaving the book after a 10-year run. Moment of silence, repeat, please. (laughs) Third time's the charm, buddy. What the fuck? Thank you. <laughs> and oh, 
<laughs> and the, the creative team that's going to pick up the book this July will be Nick Spencer and Ryan Otley. Ryan Otley, famous for Invincible. So a lot of people have have wanted to see him on a main a main big two book for many years and were wondering where he was going to go once Invincible ended. Now we know this is incredibly huge news. Pun intended. Uh, <laughs> uh, and so Nick Spencer had this to say uh, about the book. He said that um, once it was once the idea was pitched to him, uh, he realized that he was working on the quote unquote book of his dreams and that he immediately had Otley in mind. I knew that Ryan was rapping on Invincible, and I kept thinking, God, would he be the perfect person for this? Spider-Man is such an artist book. It's contained some of the best artists in Marvel Comics history, and I really do believe that Ryan, if he wants to be, is really one of the best superhero artists working in comics. And so, he was very much on the dream list, and we're so lucky and thankful that he was interested in doing it, and we're just having so much fun so far. And you know, working with him is naturally a joy, and the pages are just so perfect. They're really going to blow people away. Uh, so, yeah. What do you guys think about this? Um, I think there's a lot of potential there. Um, obviously, Otley is a very celebrated artist. And I think moving from Invincible to Spider-Man, like, it's a lateral move in a creative sense. Because I think Invincible and Spider-Man are very comparable characters you know what i mean like they there's a there's a comparable silver age kind of teen aspect to those characters i guess is what i'm trying to say um obviously spider-man is a larger character and like career-wise is a you know big move for otley but like i think i think i think from a creative standpoint there is similarities there um so that's really exciting I think having Otley on Spider-Man is a really good move. And he's right. Uh, Spencer's right. Spider-Man is a character that's really lent himself to a diversity of really talented uh, artists throughout the entire duration of the character's history. Um, as for Spencer, this is where it gets a little more interesting. He's a high-profile writer, but he's extremely divisive and a very controversial writer. Um, I'm really curious to see what he does here. I think as a creative team, this is a really good experiment. And... I actually, I'm actually gonna, I'm gonna jump on when I read. So uh, Nick Spencer did talk about what he wants to do and some of his plans for the series. I think that a lot of what I'll be doing is reconnecting Peter with some very classic, quintessential elements of the story that fans and readers are going to recognize. And it's exciting to bring the character back back to basics, and at the same time. Dan has obviously had one of the best runs on the character ever, and we're certainly going to honor the things that he's done and build from there. The best Spider-Man, his personal trouble is mirroring his troubles in, in the costume, and the two stories are feeding each other, and being Spider-Man always comes with considerable cost to Peter. When you get excited to write Spider-Man, it's because you're also excited to write Jonah and Aunt May and MJ and Black Cat. We're gonna have we're gonna tell a really fun funny human character driven story here but a key part of it is also what role what peter's role in the marvel universe is and what the marvel universe looks like from his vantage point so uh i am a big nick spencer fan and i know that that's a controversial opinion i get it but for the last i don't know four years since i started reading what he does 
Uh, I've been nothing short of impressed. I loved his um, his Captain America runs, the one for Steve Rogers and the one for Sam Wilson. Um, I loved Secret Empire. I've made no bones about that at all. Uh, I really think that he gets it. And uh, I don't think that the controversy surrounding what he chose to do with Captain America should reflect on this because that was a story that made sense whether you whether you liked it or not it was a story that made sense for that character for what was happening in that world at that time that world being Captain America's world um, that would not make sense for Spider-Man and I wouldn't I wouldn't think about this as Nick Spencer the controversy guy is going to come on and make Spider-Man a Nazi you know nothing like that's going to happen it's going to be you know, classic Spider-Man stuff that we can all jam on. And this is a moment in comics. And I would just say, don't let your feelings about Nick Spencer as a person take away from the fact that this is something that could be really amazing. I I certainly like it more than uh, Bendis Superman. Um, I think, I think there's more to chew on here. Um, I, uh, I know a lot of people really hated uh, Dan Slott's Spider-Man run. It was uh, very controversial uh, in terms of its creative output. Um, whereas I don't, ha- I didn't have that feeling with the Superman. Didn't have a writer the last ten years. A single, a single, a singular writer. You know. Um, so this is like a real breath of fresh air creatively. Um, it's kind of like when uh, Scott Snyder took over for Grant Morrison on, on Batman, who was on that book for like six, seven years. Um, it's, I think this is an opportunity and I'm really intrigued by it because I haven't really cared about Spider-Man in a long time. I am less interested. Um, and I'll, I'll admit to buying into the, the Twitter controversy about secret empire and Captain America for, for a hot second. Um, and then when I, you know, when I really dug in, dug into why I felt the way I did, I, you know, I realized I have no basis for it. But uh, his um, his Ant Man run, um, specifically uh, Second Chance Man, I just I didn't like. I didn't um, uh, I didn't feel like he he had a good grasp of. I don't know. It's it's hard to say. It's hard to say that he doesn't have a good grasp about the character because the character was Ant-Man and who has a good grasp of Ant-Man, but Paul Rudd. Um, but it just didn't feel right. It didn't work right for me. Um, I didn't like it very much. So I'm, I'm less interested. Uh, but like, like Phil said, like this, this is a, a breath of fresh air. This is a whole, new creator and creative team um in 10 you know the first one in 10 years like this yeah it, it you would be a fool to pass this up will you buy at it? least give it a shot well I, no <laughs> <laughs> uh but i will like beat marco up and steal his copy and you know so oh, i'm and give I'm it not, a shot that way i'm not buying it i i have no connection to this to like this writer I or artist i fucking told you 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 really wouldn't buy this, Marco? Yeah, I don't think so. I mean, I'm not, I'm not genuinely interested in Spider-Man to that capacity, um, or 
I'm not attached to Nick Spencer's writing in any way. Uh, and Ryan Otley, I, I only know tangentially because of Pete. Like, I, I, I mean, I don't know. I'll have to think about it, but eh. I, it just, it's not piquing my interest. Phil, you are. Yeah. Sorry, go ahead, go. I, sorry, I, just to kind of tag on to that, for me, Otley, like, he is an obvious choice. Um, I I kind of feel like it's it's really dumb that they haven't done that before. He's not enough to pull me in. I I don't you know I don't know what his contract or his abilities were for um, Invincible, but um, oh that's uh, that reminds me of a question I had while you were reading that. Does how often does the Amazing Spider-Man come out? Currently, is it monthly? It's biweekly. Whoa! Uh, I'm really curious to see how Otley's going to do with that. I don't know. Yeah, it's a tough schedule. There's, I'll I'll see if there's some word about it in the announcement, but I don't see any way that he does that. No, that's that's rough. And and yeah, I I don't know. I know biweekly is a, a tough schedule. I don't know. Uh, I, I believe Invincible came out monthly. Yeah. Um, and it had problems coming out. Right. Monthly. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. And and I think Sean, we had mentioned bef- like in a couple episodes ago, but that the uh, the schedule like has to be abided to for that yeah. for such a flagship title. So like, yeah, that's yeah. kind of unnerving. Yeah, there's no word uh, in this article regarding the release, the shipping schedule, but it, I would I would I would look to this look for this to be a monthly title. Um, I just don't see them doing it bi-weekly and him staying on the book for more than an arc. So, uh, yeah, that's a, that's another one similar to our discussion about Ed McGinnis that I think, you know, makes sense and it would totally work and the hype is real. But if it's a, yeah, if it's a, a bi-weekly book, like, like you said, I think it's a, an announcement for hype. Yeah, that said, though, I think that they would want to keep Ryan Otley around. So there's, they're not going to – I don't think they're going to do things that would steer him away, like having it be biweekly. Uh, so I would look I would look for him to be on this for a good amount of time. Will he be there a long time? Probably not because he just did Invincible, and that was like 10 years or whatever the hell. So, yeah, you know, yeah. We'll, but, but we'll see. Uh, so moving along. Uh, and these we don't have to spend a lot of time on. Just you know, say your piece and we'll move on. Uh, Cosmic Ghost Rider is coming this summer. Uh, that, that looks cool. It, it you know it looks interesting. It's going to be a limited series written by Donny Cates. Uh, we don't know about an artist, um, but this is a Frank Castle from an alternative future who became the Cosmic Ghost Rider. And um, they're going to show his sort of origin in Thanos number 16 that actually dropped uh, this week. So uh, you can check that out if you care. Wait, and Frank did. Ca- Sorry? Frank Castle is the Ghost Rider? Yeah. What? In an alternate an al- an alternate future. Yeah. Oh, alternate okay. reality okay. future. Yeah. Okay. Um, so any interest in this? On its face, it seems cool. Um, it's something I would, you know, uh, check out and trade probably um, I don't think it doesn't strike me as the kind of thing I would be interested off the stands but um, yeah in trade I would totally check it out this is the kind of thing I actively avoid actually <laughs> really 
Yeah, I don't really like gimmicks like that. I don't like uh, when a character becomes another character in that way. Like, I don't like... Oh, uh, okay. When Bucky became know, like, Captain America? Nah, that's that's a little different because it makes, it makes more sense. I don't like, like, Spider-Man becoming cosmically powered, you know, or... Captain Universe... Right, or or Frank Castle becoming cosmically powered, or and you know any weird, or Wolverine and the Hulk somehow having a fusion. All that turns. Well, yeah, that was weird for me too, eh? <laughs> oh god. Um, Marvel also announced the Immortal Hulk. This so, is the one I'm interested. Yes. In. Uh, so. Bruce Banner is back from the dead. Uh, if that's a spoiler for you, I'm sorry. Bruce um, Banner was dead? <laughs> dead-ish, something like that. I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> and uh, it's be- so this is going to be written by Al Ewing, and the art will be done by Joe Bennett um, with f- covers by Alex Ross, which I always love. Uh, and it's going to launch this June. The only... Concern I have is that I don't really like Al Ewing. Yep, I knew that was coming. Oh, really? Yeah, I I do. So what is he I'm, written? I'm interested. Ultimates, Ultimates, uh, New Avengers. His New Avengers run. I used to review that, and it was hard to do because that book was so <laughs> bad. No offense, but uh, yeah, I couldn't get through that. Book. Mm. It was hard. Um, but but yes, yeah, so you're a fan. So what are you looking forward to with this book? So this book is uh, it's going to be a horror take on the Hulk, which is an angle that seems like it would be sort of obvious to take, but doesn't. I don't believe it's been done. Um. So yeah. So I'm 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 excited to to look at that aspect and and hopefully they uh, you know hopefully they go balls to the wall horror. I I mean I can't imagine Marvel will, but you know I I. I hope they do. Yeah, um, that could be very cool. I think that you're right. That's a that's a, a great concept. Maybe it's been done somewhere before, but I haven't read it. So yeah, yeah, sure. I'll, I mean, for a, just to pick up a number one, I will definitely get this. Uh, so next up, we have Ant Man and the Wasp that's coming out uh, just in time to uh, you know coincide with the movie. What a strange coincidence! Um, I know. Wow, it's coming out this June. And uh, Mark Wade and Javier Garon are going to be the creative team on this one. Uh, I I think this could be interesting. I, I, Mark Wade, he's I, I like Mark Wade. He's been kind of bad lately. A lot of people feel that way. I yeah, I've had a lot of trouble with Mark Wade. Mark Wade lately, uh, but it could be it could be good because Mark Wade is uh, traditionally a very good writer. Yeah, yeah. That said, like I haven't read his the the main titles he's been reading. So like uh, writing. So like you know, I was reading the champions, um, which is you know sort of a I don't know C C level book. I I would you know I would call it. Um, so you know, I he could just be farting that one out and focusing all his strength on uh, Black Widow and Captain America. Captain America is good. Um, I'm not over the moon. And quite frankly, I stopped picking it up um, uh, one issue ago. 
uh, I just, I don't know. I just decided I didn't want to read it anymore. It's good, but I just, I don't know. I didn't want to read it. So that's, that's weird. But um, he, I read an interview and he seems pretty excited to be working on this title. He said he's always wanted to have an extended run on Ant-Man. So this is a shot. So we'll see. Uh, Marvel also announced a multiple man series. That's cool. Yeah, uh, this one also sounds fucking good. From Matthew Rosenberg and Andy McDonald. That's really interesting. Because he's dead. Jamie yeah. Madrox is dead. So I'm not sure what's going to happen here. Well, it's like when they were talking about doing the James Franco uh, film uh, for Multiple Man. It was like, it's, it's a cool concept. I don't know. Yeah. My one concern with this book in particular is something that we've talked about in the past, which is just how do you sell this? Is this bankable? All the other books we've talked about so far, I would say they probably do well. This is the first one where it's kind of like, all right, does Multiple Man have the appeal to... Uh, carry it, an ongoing series. I I I wonder. If I, I do want to make. The- I do want to make one uh, amendment. It's a mini series, not an ongoing series. So that actually changes my perspective. I yeah. I wonder if it's Matthew Rosenberg's name that's carrying this more than the Multiple Man yeah, title. That's what I was thinking. Um, I don't know how his work at Marvel is gone, but you know he's a creator of uh, you know the Black Mask title. We can never go home. Um, I think he's got a couple other indie four kids indie-esque yeah. titles four, four kids. kids yeah um, that are gold uh, so I think I think putting him on a you know a, a smaller smaller scale sort of uh, uh, mini series is a great move he's done some things at Marvel that have been really good uh, Phoenix Resurrection was not one of those but uh, Kingpin was good uh the red room was good, uh, so, so he's got some he's got some stuff under his belt that's been very good at Marvel. We'll see how this plays out. From what I read, the reason that this got greenlit was because of his pitch. His pitch was so good that they decided to make it a, a real thing. That, so, that sounds really promising. Yeah. yeah, yeah. If you blow them away with a pitch and they're like, "Yeah, all right, fuck it, we'll fund it," that's usually that's a good sign. Yeah, absolutely, I agree. So. Uh, we also learned that uh, as a part of the fresh start, um, Thor, Odin's son, will return as Thor, uh, and will you know become the main you know the main man again. Uh, and Jane Foster, I assume this means that uh, the death of Thor arc that's currently ongoing will result in her death. Um, she had cancer, right? Yeah, Jane Foster does have cancer. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, it looks like this is that's what's gonna happen. Uh Jason Aaron is going to continue to write Thor. Your dude. Uh he's been he's been on it for quite some time now. Uh and the art will be Mike by Mike Del Mundo. So I'm I read Thor. I've been reading Thor since Jason Aaron jumped on. I'm gonna continue to read Thor. This is par for the course. Cool. Doctor Strange is going into space. As a part of Marvel's fresh start, um, just put everything in space. It's uh, not a bad Wade. move. Yeah, I you're gonna be you're gonna be real surprised when you find out who's going to space next. <laughs> Wait, is it Marco? It is Marco. Oh, haha! <laughs> it's Marco. Uh, Mark Wade and 
Jesus Saez are going to be on this one. Oh. Um, he, yeah, really talented. Uh, I like the creative team. I'm not, again, I don't like it when characters go to weird places that don't make sense for them. Doctor Strange in Space doesn't speak to me, so. Uh, yeah, uh, again, with Mark Wade on this title, I don't I don't know. I, I don't know. The The space concept, I think, is, is okay. In one of the uh, earlier runs back in, like, 2015, he it was some weird magic stuff and then there was like a space alien race that kind of he combated with um it was good stuff i don't remember who was on it but i don't know i I just from seeing him in that in that sort of scenario and in that setting it worked for me and i think uh with this creative team and in that in a very similar scenario i think i think it'll work yeah so you're referring to the jason aaron uh, yeah, yeah. run from 2015. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes, it was really, really good. Uh, Jason Aaron, though, for me, does well in situations where he can explore his quirky side as a writer. Uh, I'm not so sure that Mark Wade will be able to pull that off in that way. It's yeah, that's fair. It's the like I would even I would even say the the space stuff isn't the problem i think it's the the doctor strange mystical magic side that's gonna really suffer under mark wade um, we're just dumping on mark wade today huh uh, be better man come on his archie stuff good together Yikes. uh so another one another announcement is a uh mini series called the life of captain marvel and so this is a reimagining of her origin story by Margaret Stahl and Carlos Pacheco. Uh, and it's going to be out July 4th. So they're getting, a, they're getting this out ahead of the movie to try to, you know, pretty up her origin story, I guess. Sure. Why not? Yeah. Yeah. It is what it is. Uh, yeah. Probably, I want to say I'll buy it, but I haven't been reading Captain Marvel for quite some time, so I don't know. We'll see. Uh, I'm a sucker for for this kind of thing, though. Nice five issue re- retelling of an origin story. I could I could do it. Um, the the last announcement and the biggest one by far is that Tanahesi Coates is going to be writing Captain America. That's cool. This is something that has been asked for. This is something that I personally uh, brought up on the show many episodes ago, saying how come we can't get that? I think you literally brought this up like a week ago. I, I brought it up several times because to me, it makes it makes all the sense in the world and it's the clearest example of take your top, writer your top minority writer and put him on your biggest well i guess captain america is not their biggest character but like one of your biggest characters and and see what happens and we're gonna get that opportunity so coates is a regular uh contributor to the atlantic.com and uh he debuted the information there and wrote an article about about him uh taking on the title it's a whole thing i'm not gonna you know read through read through it all uh but it basically goes into how 
um, how there is a lot of logic behind this marriage, this marriage, um, and what his mentality is going to be going into uh, writing this, and how there's a lot to explore here. Um, he says, in fact, uh, I'm. This is a quote. I'm not convinced I can tell a great Captain America story, which is precisely why I want so badly to try. Um, I think that's really cool. Uh, I think that I think it's really cool that he wants a shot at this book, the same shot that anyone else would have. Um, and he also he also talks about um, how Captain America is not a character who upholds the you know who who rigorously defends america no matter what right uh how he's frequently you know he he has the nomad persona uh he frequently is against whatever the american movement is at the time and how that resonates with Coates. uh so i I think that's really interesting and then the art's gonna be by lanil Yu. so uh what do you guys think about this that's cool i'm i'm happy it's happening yeah, I think this is a really important time for it too, uh, which I'm sure he brings up in the article. I I I didn't read it, but yeah, I think to to get a voice that's not you know a straight white man on Captain America, especially right now, to give a view of America that's not the straight white man's view, uh, will be really poignant for that character. Yeah. Um... Yeah, it's huge news and it's really exciting and it's refreshing and I, I don't know like it, it also like building up on the hype of just coming off of Black Panther too. It's just like it just feels really awesome, um, and this I, I'm afraid it's gonna unfortunately be lambasted by some fans uh, of the of the character, but ultimately. Um, he he does good work. He's he's has Black Panther under his belt, and like we we reviewed that. You guys can go check out that book club, and I, I'm excited for him to see like this is gonna be his sophomore um, crack at uh, at a book, and this is gonna be I feel he's gonna really show his his stuff in this. So I'm really excited. For it. I'm gonna pick this up. Oh yeah, like he he knows what he's doing. <laughs> you know, yeah, it's he's not you know he's not he's not sort of stumbling through like he kind of was in the first you know few issues of of black panther like he knows what he's doing now right guys i uh, was picking up a superhero book yeah look at that look at that i i can't think of a single reason not to buy this honestly uh it's monumental it's exciting it's a great creative team it's obviously a great character you would literally have to not be a fan of comics to not have some level of interest in this, I think. Um, but beyond that, I am prepared to not like this book. How about that? What? Uh, that's how I go on with Marvel movies. You lower your hype. I, I yeah. Well, okay. Marvel movies aside, <laughs> I am lowering my hype, but I also want to tag that with the fact that I'm okay with the fact that I may not like it. Because it's for me, it's not about the run being classic. It's about the chance. It's about the opportunity, you know? Yeah. And a minority creator can fail just as easily as anyone else. 
and that's fine because you know I dropped uh, Mark Wade's uh, Captain America. I you know I don't that does not that doesn't mean that all white creators suck at writing Captain America. It just means that he didn't do the best job for me. You know, so if Coates' run isn't the best, that's cool because. Now the door is open for other minority creators to have similar opportunities. And maybe one day we get a Hispanic writer on Spider-Man, you know, or a woman on Spider-Man or whatever the hell, you know, like the the floodgates can open up and we can see more uh, diverse takes on these on these characters that typically have been in a stranglehold by a certain group of people. So I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful that this means that. More than I'm hopeful that the run itself is good, I guess. That said, to that point, I hope it is good so that that does happen. You know, that the, you know, if it if it goes the other way, there's a very good chance that the, the floodgates will remain closed. You're not wrong. You're, unfortunately, you are not wrong. So, uh, all of that information now out there, that's going to lead us into our main topic, which... Basically, I just want to talk to you guys about whether or not what we know so far about the Fresh Start represents what Marvel needs to bring people back into the fold. Is this the start of what's going to redeem Marvel in the eyes of the fan base? Or is this just more of the same stuff that we're used to? And uh, I'm asking that from the perspective of the announcements, you know, so the creative teams, the new books, and Marvel's stance lately, and the kind of the the language they've been using and things like that. So, uh, I mean, as somebody who's very removed from what Marvel's doing, um, I sort of see this as very little change from uh, they just like looking out like at it not actively being engaged in the Marvel universe. Um, I see it as just sort of, again, it's just, it's the same thing. They, they announced a couple of mini series, uh, some creative shifts with some high profile people. But I mean, other than that, that's all it really is to me is just creative shifts and announcements of, of books. But that's because I also don't know the implications within the Marvel Universe. I don't know what this necessarily means for certain characters. So as somebody who doesn't keep up with this stuff, it's not—it's nothing that's going to bring me into Marvel. Um, but it's also not anything that's pushing me out. Uh, if anything, it just means, all right, I, I, I should have a... I can keep a closer eye on this. This stuff looks sort of interesting. Um, but whether or not... Like, it, this isn't for me. Um... But there are bits in here that, you know, like, I was like, okay, like, cool. Uh, but again, it's just general Marvel stuff. I, yeah, I think I can agree with Marco as someone who, who does pick up the trades and isn't, you know, isn't in the, the grind of the weekly, you know, the weekly release. It is, it is all stuff that on, on the surface I'm interested in, but it still does feel like Marco said, just very Marvel. Nothing, nothing here re- really, really stands out from what it feels like they've done before, other than I guess the Ta-Nehisi Coates and Captain America announcement. It, 
and I, I, th- I think you guys said this week, I, I could be wrong. I may have heard this somewhere else. And uh, if so, I, I apologize. Uh, but it, it, it does feel just like, you know, CB Sabolski's in charge now. Now he's got to put his, his, you know, his flag on the, on the field and make, you know, try and right the ship his way. Right. I said that last week. Yeah. 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 So at the heart of it, DC Rebirth was a shuffling of titles and a shuffling of talent. But the narrative that came from DC Rebirth was meat and potatoes comics back to like what people like, right? Um, which honestly, I don't think there was a substantial difference between the DCU or the DC Rebirth. I think it really was just marketing. And in the case here, I don't see this as a I don't see the marketing behind it to make people think like, oh, this is the Marvel you like. I That's a good point. I think to Kale's point, it is new editorial making their impression on the imprint. Um so I don't think this is gonna have DC rebirth implications for the Marvel publishing line. Yeah, there's there's there was very little um like uh, like we brought up the creative refresh last week or two weeks ago, whenever that was, and to your point, Phil, there is no like there's no there's no narrative to it. There's no there's no story there that they're that they're putting forward, and that all makes it feel sort of just flat. And and when when we did have that transition from DCU to to Rebirth, um, it was this whole like it was it was an event in and of itself. But because of the way that they positioned these shifts and these changes, the the way Marvel's announcing these shifts and these changes is just sort of they're happening. And what does that mean? It means the books you're getting are X Y Z, and the talent you're getting is X Y Z. But like for Rebirth, it was the implications are you're getting the talent here, but then this is happening at a in a larger capacity. Um, uh, holistically, the the like the universe is changing, whereas for Marvel, sure, holistically the universe is changing, but it's not really. And I I sort of think that's the way Marvel goes, and that's fine. I think here the the announcement of the books and the creative team is the appeal, like that's what they should be leading with. But the f- you know all this fresh start relaunch legacy numbering that's they shouldn't have deployed come out a week earlier with that yeah it was it was something to get eyes on on them for the next week that just like for like I, I don't know for me I guess and uh you know for you know what it seemed like for you guys uh, when I listened last week it it just sort of soured. Uh, what they announced this week. Like, I'm not less excited because of it, but, like, when I saw the announcement, you know, la- you know, the for, for a start, I went, ugh, again? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. It's totally fair. So, I, I mean, I can't really dispute anything that you guys said. Um... And I'm also not the target audience for the question. I am still actively reading Marvel. And I'm not, that's not changing based on this. So, uh, like, 
this grabs me, but of course it grabs me because I'm into it already. Right. And I was really curious what you guys thought as people who aren't reading Marvel Comics. And it's really unfortunate that um, it's, it doesn't really do anything for you. I guess that that makes my next question for you guys. What what do they have to do? What's it going to take? For me, for me, it's like I said, it's the creative teams. You know, give me a, a creative team, uh, a cool concept, you know, like Matthew Rosenberg on Multiple Man. Uh, you know, I think that's that enough for me is interesting. Yeah, it's it's not too dissimilar for me. Um, <clears throat> I just read books that have uh, creative teams that I'm drawn to. It's the same thing with DC. Yeah. Um, you know, obviously my favorite character is Superman, but Peter Tomasi didn't, uh, or, or Dan Jurgensen draw me in to read it. And this is right when people were flocking to Rebirth, right? Um, but I really liked Pox Run during uh, the New 52 and, and DCU, and um, that was more controversial, you know? It's just a, it's contingent on who's working on it. Um, as we mentioned earlier, uh, Spencer and Otley are working on Spider-Man. That's interesting. I'm going to read that. It doesn't mean I'm intrigued line-wide to read all these Marvel books, but that's never been my MO to begin with. I've never... I've never been the person that's like, well, I need to... I was at the comic book store last week, and DC printed a DC Rebirth omnibus, which is every number one from Rebirth, and my friend was really interested in that, and I was like, why? <laughs> you know? Half of these are probably yeah. bad. <laughs> um, but I didn't... I, obviously, if he was going to buy it, I, I would have been like, fine, go buy it, I don't care. But... It, it's it's I, I don't care about narratives coming from online. These New Fifty Two had a terrible backlash from the fans, and I liked a lot of the New Fifty Two. Um, it's like I said, it always comes down to creative the creative teams and feedback, I guess too. So you're telling me that there's nothing that Marvel is producing currently that's that interests you? No, I never said that at all. It's just um, I, I've never I, it's, I I acknowledge that Marvel has bad. PR right now, which is totally true. But I mean, I um it, like uh Moon Knight just came out by um Lemire, and I thought that was really good. You know what I mean? That is, yeah. It's it's it's, it's always just contingent on um on who's on what. So you're so what? Okay, so you're actively picking up Marvel books then? Um, not recently, I guess. But Marvel's lost a lot of writers recently. That's true. That's true. You know what I mean? I, I mean, I think I think Phil's in a similar situation to me. Like he just sort of picks up whatever interests him and when he can afford it. Like you know, he's not in the weekly grind like you are, Sean. Yeah, that's a very, that's a very fair point. Um, and I mean, like to me, what you're asking is what would it take? What would it take for you to get into the weekly grind? Well, I mean, uh, one twenty five price point. You know, like it was in the nineties, like. <laughs> No, I'm not. I'm not really asking you that specifically. It's just that, like, like the idea, I, right? Like, you would say you're a fan of DC Comics, right? You would say that you're sure. an active fan of what they do, even if you're not buying everything they put out. There are titles that you're looking for, and there's stuff that you're, you know, invested in. But the same is not the case for Marvel, and so unless I'm putting words in your mouth, yeah, I've I I, I am an active. I mean, if that's your definition of active fan, then I'm yeah, I'm an active fan of Marvel. Okay, so what 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 books are you actively invested in from Marvel? Um, I mean, 
like I, you know, for me, like I, you know, like I said, it's a, it's a, a case by case basis. I, you know, uh, I am interested in Iceman. I am interested in in um um oh there's something else <laughs> uh, Hawkeye uh, Vision yeah but now I'm just naming naming books uh, <laughs> uh, but like like you know I I I don't go out of my way to get everything. But like, if there's a creator like Hickman on uh, Fantastic Four, yeah, or, exactly. Uh, the Avengers, like, I, you know, if he's got a big Marvel run, I'll make it a goal to try and pick up everything so I have that cohesive narrative. Okay. Yeah, I'm in a, I'm in a, I'm comparable in that regard. But like, looking at Marvel's current list of publications, like, it's it's not. I, I look at it and I think like, ooh, this is not a great list overall. You know. It, I, I hope Marvel can f- bring in some of these writers they've lost the last few years to kind of change that, and that's not going to happen overnight. I'm not convinced it's going to happen at all. Really? Yeah. Uh, I don't. Yeah, I don't think that Luke Remender has any interest in working for either Marvel or DC ever again. Uh, I don't know that Jonathan Hickman is going back to Marvel. I think he's going yep. to DC. Um. Matt Fraction is like on the fringe, fringe, fringe yeah. of, you know, working in, in you know, the big two. Right. I, in fact, I think he's outright done. Yeah, I, I, would, even, I would even say he's he's even probably on the fringe of comics right now, yeah. like other than Sex Criminals yeah. and um, maybe Casanova. Uh, Brian K. Vaughn is done. Ed Brubaker is done. Ed Brubaker makes tons of money, I'm sure. Uh, and he gets to tell the stories that he's really passionate about telling yep. with no editorial oversight at all. Brian K. Vaughn can do whatever he wants. Look at Saga. That book is crazy. Um, and Marvel had all of those writers. And they're all gone. They're not coming back. And Marvel has tried to build up new names. But it's hard to do that when you consider that a lot of the ways that those other guys came up uh, was through... Like create stuff. our own books. Yeah, definitely. So, and like, the- go ahead. No, no, keep going. Sorry, I was just gonna say, uh, all the guys that I named had books that were successful already, and that was why when they started writing for Marvel, it mattered. Now, a lot of the guys who come up, it's like uh, I don't really know who you are, and it it just feels more like they don't have that big book under their belt to say. Hey, I did this. You know, I, I go ahead, kill. I don't know. Uh, I mean, Donnie Cates did God Country. Uh, Kelly Thompson had Jim and the Holograms. What about Jerry Duggan? I, he's been around Marvel for a while now, right? Uh, but yeah, I don't know. He's flown under the radar for most yeah. of that period. In terms of the fact that, like, yeah, he's had runs. He's you know he's been writing for them, but it, nothing has really like stood out and and, and grabbed yeah. people no. yeah i see what yeah, you're saying I, i've uh, i've read a little bit of what he's written and nothing's ever really grabbed me yeah and 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 i feel like they have several writers like that who yeah they're the books are serviceable like they're fine they're not offensive but they're not colin you know, colin bun mm. he's another one he, he has a lot of fans i think he's fine hey, I think he's, a serviceable. He's, up, he's up on colin bun all right guys he's up on him 
I didn't say anything mean. It's just he's serviceable. <laughs> <laughs> he's better than serviceable. No, but for something like that, totally to your point, Sean, like these people are better served in a in a freer space, more creator owned space. Uh, and and uh, largely that's where they're coming up. Like Matthew Rosenberg is a perfect example of that. He's blowing up at Marvel, and but that's based off the success at like Black Mask, some of his even smaller stuff than that. Like, yeah, they're, they're definitely not coming back. And a lot of the creators who leave Marvel are very vocal about about it. Um, I'm not sure to what extent, like Rick Remender, but like Marjorie Liu, I've, I've brought this up in the past. She's as much as she can dedicated to never working for the big two again. Like, that's it. She's not interested in it and she won't be for a long time. Well, and I like... I, I can I can see where she's coming from there, but like you know, in the case of well, no, I can't even say that. No, but like as um, a creator, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, I don't I don't know her her story, but like you know, just looking at it from a creative perspective, like once you make your name at Marvel and DC, like I like the way the trend is going is you go off and and strike out on your own stuff yeah so mar so marvel and D- like you have to cut your cut your teeth on uh your own indie book and then cut your teeth on a marvel and dc you know career path for however long and then and then finally what you put out will probably sell um yeah to sean's point I wonder if the new editorial at Marvel will help cultivate a new crop of of good writers over at Marvel, which I know they've been looking for too to begin with. Like they've been really seeking out a lot of non-comic writers and stuff. Uh there's definitely like a talent search. Um so I don't know. Like I mean, like I said, if there's no writer that grabs me, word of mouth is important too. Because I didn't absolutely I didn't know who Jeff Lemire was when I started. Not not this year, but in the in like a couple years ago when I started reading. Um, boy, what was it? Sweet Sweet Tooth. No, it was Arrow, Green Arrow. Oh, uh, yeah. Because I didn't know who he was at the time, and I, word of mouth was good, and I went in. It was like the best Green Arrow run I've read in a long time. So, like, word of mouth is important too, obviously. Well, uh, I think I think Marvel, based on this conversation, I, I really want to hear what other people have to say. Like, I really want to hear from uh, you guys out there uh, what your thoughts are, and if you are a lapsed Marvel fan. Or Wait, Sean. Else, sorry, I didn't get what? to say my piece. I wasn't actually rapping us. I just oh. really wanted. I just really wanted oh, to say that right now. My fault. There. Oh, okay. I was like, <laughs> it did seem like a rap in Marco's defense. Yeah, sorry. I, I, yeah, I can understand why. I just, I really wanted to put that out there because I was going to oh, say okay. that. Um, I, I want to know what, what is keeping people from jumping on board, and what are some of the other ideas that people have as far as like why they don't read Marvel comics and what, what it's going to take. But go ahead, Marco. Um. So uh, for me, it's largely like diversification um, and, and being willing to take like certain creative risks um, with characters and stuff. Like I'll follow a, a writer or an artist, but, and again, I'm 
superhero stuff like not if they enter the big two necessarily uh maybe a writer here and there maybe an artist here and there but uh the space that they need to be in needs to be separate from those and en- larger entities so for me i'm all on board for like the neil gaiman stuff the burger books the um um oh my god young animal vertigo yes. like the, like the, yeah like bendis's stuff like all this is catering to somebody like me who is lapsed from superhero comics which is a gr- uh, starting to become a growing um a growing segment within the comics world and and the right path in in my opinion is to cater to those people because then that'll lead them to the larger dc world like for for me uh young animal got me interested in uh like just all all of their all of their stuff in general i can go back to read the rest of the shade the rest of the doom patrol but then that also um gets me on board uh and keeps me up to date with what's going on with dc and that's what hooked me on with like the rebirth stuff like i picked up the a a couple of the rebirth books i picked up a couple of uh, um doomsday clock for example like something like that like all, all these things are 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 made to cater to people who have left that space entirely and there's a need for that kind of creative risk from marvel i think in order to cultivate those people who they are losing and knowing that they're looking for talent like they need to give the creators priority over what the the marvel agenda is and which is what i feel dc has been doing pretty well it's oh man go ahead i was gonna say i feel like they sort of had that with uh titles like hellcat like patsy walker hellcat yeah um, like i was interested in that yeah but yeah like after you know i think i think unfortunately the the sales you know tank that right like the book can't stay on the stands if it doesn't sell but then there has to be that adjustment of what is successful and what I, yeah, do you, and I'm yeah, I'm not disagreeing with that. That's that gets into so many you know other issues that that go on. Um, for me, uh, there there nothing will beat that period of two thousand and two thousand and six to like twenty something or twenty eleven ish, twenty twelve ish, something along those lines, where it just felt like. They were firing on all cylinders, and um, the creators had all these big ideas, and everything was being, um, uh, everything that they were putting out, it felt like they were churning out great books all the time. And not just like good books, not just average books, really, really great books. Um, And I'm not saying that there aren't great books on the stands right now. Uh, I I mean, I read their books all the time, and I continue to say that I love a lot of what they put out. But also, a lot of it just feels serviceable, and that's probably a big part of the problem. But uh, any other thoughts on this? All right. So that's going to do it for that topic. I really, like I said, do want to hear what you guys have to say about this uh, because I think, look, ultimately, I feel like Marvel and DC have to exist, and I feel like the comics industry is better when they're doing great. Uh, and um, I want to see them both do great. And right now, DC is doing fantastic. Marvel's lagging behind. 
If DC were struggling, we'd be having the opposite conversation. Uh, so yeah, let's let's continue to talk about it. Uh, and you can get to us on iTunes. You can get to us on SoundCloud. You can, you can uh, leave us a rating while you're there. Um, you can write to us at thecomicspals at gmail.com. We are on social media at the Comics Pals all over the place. And last but not least, we are on YouTube where you can like the video, share it with your friends, and subscribe to our channel for more awesome content. Um, do want to highlight the fact that the Video Game Pals releases the day after this does. Uh, of course, Pete was not here today, but... Oh, and he actually won't be on the Video Game Pals either. That's right. Uh, I'll be the oh, host. Oh, yikes. Andy hosting. So... I and he's not on it either. So I am. Uh, so Peggy's probably hosting. I am hosting. <laughs> Got to be oh, Thompson. So Thompson yeah. Uh, me. Yeah. Uh, Got to be Thompson. Tune into the video Thompson game. House. Special so Thompson's guest be hosting. host Phil will be on. It's Tyler. <laughs> <laughs> I think that I have proven I can host the show. So I'll be doing it again over there. Um, what are we going to talk about? I have no clue. So tune in and find out. Hmm. Nice. All right. Well, no. I guess you can host no a Pete, show. I'm in. <laughs> <laughs> so let's do some plugs, Kale. Uh, so I'll post. Uh, I'll post. I'll uh do uh Pete's plugs first. Uh, you can follow him at loud underscore Pete, Pete on. Twitter and Instagram. Uh, he is writing. I, I think he's writing full time for uh, CBR he's doing news now. Over there. Uh, he's on the news he's desk. News. Yeah. So if you see uh, a CBR article pop up that looks kind of newsy, go ahead and uh, give it a click, and uh, you know help him help him pay the rent because uh, the comics pals are poor and somebody's got to fund it. Um, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Toto Into. That's T O T O I N T O W. And um, I have a, a very special uh, request and plug this week. Um, if you have been paying attention at all, you know that um, a, a, a historic snowstorm has hit England this weekend. Um, and like they are going crazy, they have no idea how to handle snow. Uh, but there was supposed to be uh, a Comic-Con in uh, a small town in Scotland called Dunfermline. And um, it, it it's a really nice independent... It's I, I guess I, I would equate it to kind of like a flame con. You know, uh, independent uh, comics-focused um, Comic-Con uh, run by a, a store called... Uh, what is it? It's the Little House of Heroes, I think. That's cute. Little Shop of Heroes. Little Shop of Heroes. Um, and uh, they had to cancel the Comic-Con uh, because the, the snow is just so bad. Um, so this put the the owners and the creators of this Comic-Con in a really hard financial place. Uh, so if you can, if you can, please... Uh, go to uh, GoFundMe. We'll post a link in, in the description for uh, Dunfermline's Comic-Con. Uh, they're asking for uh, just a little bit of a donation to, to help the shop uh, stay out of you know financial ruin because of the storm. Um, they put everything into this Comic-Con, and it's, by all accounts, wonderful. 
so uh, please, if you could do that, uh, just scroll down a little bit and help save Dunfermline's Comic-Con. Awesome. Yeah, definitely support that. Um, Marco? Uh, you can find me at Mr. Marco Animoto on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, just a quick shout out. Um, I got a, uh, just one plug for BJ Mendelson. Um, he's a, a writer who recently sort of just reached out and, um, for just for us to kind of give, um, a little feedback on, on his book. Uh, it's, he has a couple, uh, comics out jobbers and a nation, a national story of minor significance as well as some new releases so go check it out it's uh it's cool stuff uh i had some fun i had some fun reading it they're, they're pretty quick reads he has the first couple issues free and then one of his other stories you just have to pay for um but yeah it, it's a uh, pretty cool stuff so go check it out awesome phil that's me i'm phil um so andy and i from the video game pals we did a oscar review which will have passed by the time this comes out but we uh, more or less discussed the best movies of 2017 so you should check that out it turned out pretty good um and also in april we are going to be doing another book club episode for all-star superman to commemorate uh, action comics 1000 and the uh, transition to brian michael bendis's run uh, so be on the lookout for that. And also, since I we didn't mention it, we actually just did a book club episode on Space Riders, which just dropped uh, this past week. Yes. So uh, check that oh. out as well. Um, the best host. Oh, and unfortunately, Marco hosted the uh, Space Riders episode. <laughs> no, that's hostess mostess. That that episode was a lot of fun. I think if you check it out, you'll have fun, even if you didn't read Space Riders. Um, and then you can follow me on social media, Cyborg Bebop. Awesome. Uh, as for me, uh, you can fo- you can follow me on Twitter only at Sean Soapbox, where I would love to talk to you about what Marvel's publishing right now and why you don't like it or why you do like it or why you're not reading it. And let's talk about DC too. Why not? With that, we're the Comics Pal signing off. Take care, guys. Smell you later. Bye. See you next week.